Welcome to the Strength Coach Experience Podcast. Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Lego. Your host. And here we and here we go, go, go. Welcome, everyone, to the Strength Coach Experience podcast, uh, episode 18. I uh, hope everybody's doing well. A little winter here in New York. Uh, today, I'm with my friend, uh, John Connolly, out here in Sacramento, California, a graphic designer and former Division One soccer goalie. John, I uh, appreciate you being on the show, man, and, and, and pumped to get this going. Yeah, absolutely. Me, too. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know. We were just talking about the weather there. It's 60 and cool over here, and it's snowing <laughs> 19 over here. Nice, nice yeah, little change. What- Winter's not so bad over here right now, at least not yet. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, it might it might go down to fifty, and then you have to buy yeah a, down to buy fifty, maybe forty five. <laughs> that is true, though. It gets colder up in Sacramento. Yeah, it gets a little chilly. We get some snow. We're like an hour or two from the mountains, so yeah, we get some snow. That's not too bad. Well, at least you get a little bit. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, let's yeah. go through. You know, just growing up and and how you kind of started playing soccer, and and then we'll just kind of take off things from there. Okay, yeah. So soccer. Um, I grew up in Annapolis, Maryland, which is a few hours south of New York. Um, played all kinds of sports. So was baseball, basketball, swimming, soccer, um, everything on the street. Played street hockey, played lacrosse with my brothers, played football on the street all the time. So we did we did everything. Um, soccer stuck, though, for whatever reason. Um, you know, you just kind of at a certain point, you're better at some things than you are at others and it sticks. So I played soccer competitively i played um, all four years in high school on my varsity team at archbishop Curley in baltimore we were a pretty solid high school team we were nationally ranked for a year or two and um after that i went to play at liu good old long island university in brooklyn where i played for five seasons didn't necessarily play all five seasons but i was there for five seasons um went through a few injuries and bounced back though. And since college, I played semi-professionally in California and I played a little bit of pro in Iceland and Australia as well. Wow. It must've been awesome over there. Heard Iceland's yeah. amazing. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I, I wish I had gone back for another year too. Yeah. Well, you yeah. Know, at least you got to experience it for the time you were there. Yeah. Talk about cold too. <laughs> yeah it's cold as shit yeah exactly it's freezing so with the uh you know with all the drawing stuff and all the graphic design were you always mm-hmm. a person to draw you know amongst the soccer stuff was that always a part of your um, kind of life or was that something you got into early on not really I was actually like the worst artist in my family when I was little my brother was good at drawing and my dad was good at drawing or better than me so I was kind of discouraged from doing it because I was like, oh man, I suck at this. (laughs) That's their thing. That's not my thing. So it kind of took a while to develop. And then I started to get a little bit better. And, um, and then I really just started to take off. Once I hit high school, I started to get a lot better at it. And I just doodled in class all day, pretty much just scribbling on my notebook and, you know, doing that for a couple hours all day. And then coming home and doing art projects and stuff. So that really helped solidify it. And um, I really liked graffiti. That was how I really started. I found some of my brother's spray paint. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> you know, what is this? what can I do with this? Yeah. So that's how it really started was doodling, sketching, and drawing girls' names for them. 
really. Like you got to impress the ladies. So. Any, any way you can back in the day. We didn't, any have, way social, you can. We didn't have social media. So you had to, you know, no. be, you had to be creative back then. You couldn't just tag De- him in a post. Definitely no social media. Maybe AOL instant messenger. That was about it. That was huge. If you got that, that you were, you were close. That was like, that was like, that was running down to first base. You were real close yeah. with the AOL instant messenger. And you put the little alerts too, when they came on, yep. so you were ready to go. Yep. <laughs> so well, what, let's bring up uh, with the R2, let's bring up sports. Mm-hmm. Was that always a thing in your household? I mean, you said you played lacrosse with your brothers, you played street mm-hmm. hockey. I mean, similar to you, I grew up on a cul-de-sac. I played every sport that there, you know, there yeah. was. Um, were you, you know, just in your family general, is that how you kind of got involved in the sports? You, you had the brothers and you guys just played all through, you know, growing up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my dad played college basketball. So there was a heavy influence of basketball, particularly, um, he wasn't necessarily driving us towards basketball, but that's what he knew. So we would, he would say, Hey, you want to go shoot hoops? So we'd go find a gym and shoot hoops for a couple hours at night. That's just cause that's what he knew. Um, yeah. And we had neighbors. So it's just my brother and I. And, um, and we had a couple neighbors around the same age, I'm sure like you did. So we all played in the street after school and the snow and the rain. And it was just what we did because mom said, if you're in the house, like you're going to clean or you're going to, you're going to do something yeah. else like get your ass outside and yeah, and do something. So that's how it really, that's how sports really came around. It was always just a matter of which one. Right. And my parents were really cool about not forcing one on us over the other you know they were like give us different options but make sure you're doing something like swim team my mom didn't want us home from school all summer doing nothing so she said you're gonna do swim team so we were up at 6 a.m every morning riding our bikes to the pool and swimming for a few hours so i'm really in hindsight i'm really glad they you know made us do that yeah no i think it's important and uh you know all the kids that i train now you know, everybody always asks, you know, when do I have my kid choose? You know, when when is a good time for them to choose? And I'm like, look, let them play as many sports mm-hmm. as they can possibly get in. Yeah. And then when they turn it will, as you know, right, it will choose itself. I mean, it's it will. Much, yeah. eventually you'll play and eventually you're like, you know what? I don't like this. I'm not good at this. And I, I think it kind of mm-hmm. have athleticism, of course, you know, it's not for everybody out the there you start playing all the sports and you'll land on one. I mean, some people just aren't meant to do it, but uh, yeah. you know, I think it, like you said, it, it will generally uh, pick you out, you know, but I think it's very important um, that you play every sport because it helps develop patterns. You know, we talk about that all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you said you played everything, you know, from ice hockey to whatever in your goalie, you know, so it, it, yeah. it translates a lot. You know, I mean, I was talking to somebody today about, you know, tennis and soccer, right. I was talking to my mm-hmm. friend who was a defenseman and he said, Oh yeah, I was, I never played tennis, but I was always very good at getting to the ball, not necessarily hitting it, but getting there. So, <laughs> very important thing you know nice takeaway there yeah you know, absolutely play everything you know me too I played we played we had a season we played football in the winter we played football in the spring we yep. played baseball in the spring and we played ice hockey in the winter time and video games like they are today we didn't play video games unless it was mm-hmm. there was like a hurricane outside and we <laughs> you know really couldn't go outside so yeah I think it changed a lot but I, I think that dynamic is is rain true you know everybody I talk to you know, and just everybody listening, if you have young kids or you're looking for that, play every sport you can. Cause absolutely, you know, that's going to help you the most, you know, no training or coaching or whatever uh, is going to really, you know, set you apart. And another thing is with that is it uh, different things open different doors, right? Like, Oh, different doors open it. Things present themselves at different times. Like I almost quit playing soccer to pursue playing football 
and then a door opened and I try, uh, was able to get onto like a next level travel team. So for whatever reason, at that time, that door opened and that helped solidify my path. Right. So you never know. You just have to put, put feelers out there, try a lot of things, obviously, because this, you know, in the skill aspect, you get better at different stuff. You have hand-eye coordination, foot coordination, but also you just get out there more and you get exposed to more different coaches, you know, different lessons, different players. And you can really, it really, it definitely helps. I mean, you see a lot of college athletes and they were always most of the time multi-sport athletes in high school too. Yeah, of course. And uh, they actually, uh, the first I heard about it, because, you know, as you know, going through it, you always know all the guys that are really good at stuff usually as a side, they can dunk a basketball and do a 360. They just really don't. Yeah. Uh, I, I, was, I wish that was my side party <laughs> trick. <laughs> when I was in, that happened a lot. In the minor leagues, you'd see guys that play like first base. And we'd go to a gym. And just for everybody out there, they don't like to lift. They would all be in the basketball court having like a dunk contest. And I'd yeah. walk in there and I'm like, are you guys insane? Like, you know, but they'd be doing 360s and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But that was always, uh, you know, always a thing. They always had you know, different things in different sports. And I think it's great that you brought up the, you know, opening doors, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, you could want it, you could, one sport could be your passion and all of a sudden you might find uh, you like something else or a coach or, or somebody in your life. Yeah. Might say, hey, why don't you try, you know, this? I mean, a few years ago, I trained some kids that played football uh, in the Westchester area and mm-hmm. they were all very good at football, but they weren't as big as you needed to be. So one of the coaches says, Hey, do you want to play division one athletics? And they were like, yeah, they're like, you should play lacrosse. And five or six of them ended up going on to Villanova and different places uh, to play lacrosse. So, you know, another. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. And especially with um, I've noticed with football and basketball, because it's, you know, you have to be very athletic, obviously. But some people haven't played football their whole life and then they'll play maybe their junior and senior year of high school because they're already a phenomenal athlete. And then, bam, they're at a big college playing football. Right. Like it all crosses over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you're athletic enough, you put in the work. And like you said, you know, you brought up the exposure. Mm -hmm. If the exposure's there, uh, you're going to, you know, somebody's going to find you, you know, that's why, I mean, I I don't like to bring it up with people like, Oh, how come I've got recruited? How come I said, it doesn't matter where you play. If you throw (laughs) 95 or you run faster than everybody else, if you score 50 goals in a season, somebody will find you. If you're not getting, somebody will notice, you know, I hate to tell you, but maybe it's time to hang it up, but yeah, exactly. (laughs) Somebody will find your athleticism. Yes. Oh, uh, so going back, you know, rounding up with the uh, let's just I just want to talk a little bit about the injuries. How mm-hmm. was that through you for you? And when you got to LIU, you know, I was there with you a little bit at LIU. Mm-hmm. You're going through those things. Was that your kind of first time getting really injured when you got to LIU? Or was that something that you dealt with uh, like before you got to, to the upper levels in college? That was my that was my first major injury. Um, I had never had anything too serious before that. Uh, so that was pretty, it was pretty wild. It was kind of surreal at first when I hurt myself, I like really didn't believe it. Cause I was, I was, um, I was at home on summer vacation about like a week before preseason is when I tore my ACL. So you can imagine coach was pretty thrilled to hear that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was in total denial cause so I'm running out on the field. I make a cut. And you hear like a snapped twig sound, right? Like when you break a stick over your leg. So I was like, oh shit, I definitely did something. <laughs> but in my head, I'm like, I got preseason in a week. This is no, nah, this isn't happening. Right. So um, I'm back at home. I'm, 
going for a run. I'm trying to lift weights on it and everything. And it feels pretty fine, but wobbly. And I'm like, I'm fine, coach. I'm good. Like, I, I don't need anything. Like, I'm good. I think I just messed it up a little bit. But then once I found out they actually like tore it and what the whole process was with that, I was like, I never really felt scared or intimidated by it, but I was just like, oh man, it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel a little bit, you know, especially when you haven't had a six, seventh month, six or seven month recovery staring you down. Yeah. I think that's a big thing for a lot of athletes. You know, it's, if you don't get those injuries, you know, or, and it doesn't happen until you get to kind of a pivotal point, it's always a big shock, you know, cause you, you've never been off, you know, you've never kind mm-hmm. of taken off uh, any time and usually you bounce back from things. And especially since, you know, when you get to college and when you get those more serious industries, it becomes a whole thing. Okay. You can't play for seven months now, not, Oh, you might yeah. come back in a week. It's, we definitely know from everything we've seen, you know, you're not gonna be able to come back in six, seven months. So I think, you know, like you said, that's, you know, uh, it's a big learning experience, you know, and it really kind of hardens mm-hmm. the mind a little bit, you know, because that light gets a little dimmer and now we yeah. have to put in work for maybe something that, you know, might not take place or, you know, something that's a little bit uncertain. Yeah, absolutely. It was, I learned a valuable, I think the valuable lesson that I learned was just to control what you can control because there's so many days and so many weeks where like especially the first couple of weeks when you're barely walking and you're having people work on your leg and trying to bend it just a little bit and you can feel all the scar tissue and you're just like oh my god am I ever going to be able to run and dive again you know so it's just getting past that getting past the frustration and just controlling what you can control so I just took it upon myself say okay I have um practice time pretty much I have practice time and like team weightlifting time to just get better so I would lift weights with the team and I would rehab extra hard and Mike Stella was great at that he pushed me very hard and I was back uh, sooner than I thought I was going to be running and jumping and all that stuff so just controlling what I could control doing what I had to do every day to make it to the end not so much thinking about the end result just thinking about having a good day today, getting a good workout in today. And I think that helps just kind of not looking at the long term, but just kind of breaking it down day, day by day, week by week. Awesome stuff. Of course. Yeah. You have to only control what you can control, right? You can't control yeah. what the injury happened. You can't control the timeline. Also, Mike, amazing mm-hmm. AT. He'll be on here soon yeah. for everybody listening. Great. And just so knowledgeable in that field, but you know, that's an awesome lesson. You know, you can only control what you can control. You know, that goes not only soccer, it's everything, you know, especially, yeah. you know, what we're in now COVID, you know, it's hard because, you know, we get different things and different things getting shut down, but you have to do what, you know, you can control. Right. And, and I talked about this in other podcasts, if there's something you want to do and there's something that you're passionate about now might be that time to let that go. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of the stuff on, you know, Instagram where you should invent an app or make a billion dollars. You know, that stuff is a little <laughs> ridiculous. You know, yeah. if you need the mental clarity, take the mental clarity, but I also think it's a good time. You can't control what's going to happen you know, with how everything is moving and the different things. But I think it's also a time to, to kind of, uh, you know, think about things that you wanted to do uh, or things that you should be doing, you know, based on goals and different things and, and, and make that happen. I mean, the podcast is one of those things for me. Probably should have been doing this a few years ago. And then, you know, I was in a room, you know, and I said, hey, you know, let's, let's see what happens and hope for yeah. the best. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it's a definitely a good time to 
get things done right now. I mean, if you're able to, but like with the artwork, I took the opportunity, had a couple months off from things I was doing. All my firefighting programs internship was suspended. So I was home, I was making art and things boomed. And like you said, I should have been doing this podcast years ago. I'm like, how was I not, how was I not thinking like this years ago? But you know, that's part of the process of learning and, you know, figuring it out. kind of. Yeah. Well, honestly, for me, I didn't even know you did this. I was on Instagram and March maybe or something. And you drew a picture of Richard. And I was like, who is, I was like, is this Richard? And I was like, who, who draws a picture? I was just like, Oh, who would draw a picture of Rich? And I looked at your Instagram and then I'm flipping and I'm like, Oh, I know who this is, you know? And then I was going through, I was like, wow, this is really good. Yeah. But it's, it was one of those things, you know, it's, yeah. I think it's, it's a, um, you know, it's a time to kind of clarify, you know, but I also don't think it's not a time to put pressure on yourself either. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to get things done either. You know, everybody's kind of freaking out a little bit. So moving right <laughs> on to what you said, I want to go into where does a lot of like your inspiration stuff come from? You know, if you if are you one of those people like do you does somebody give you an idea or you one where you get one, you, you come home, you write it down and then you when you feel it, you kind of let the let the paint and let the brush do the work. How would you describe your kind of inspiration for your art? Well, uh, kind of all of that <laughs> jammed into one. So I do, I have a, I have a jar of like papers. Oh, wow. so when, I, when I get an idea, I, I write something down. And if I have time to do my passion projects, then I, and I can say, okay, I want to visit this or revisit this. Um, but more recently, more of my projects have been committed yeah, in terms of inspiration for my own, the way I categorize it is my own projects versus commission projects. So for my own, I like to, if I have an idea, if I see something that I like and I want to make a painting of it or whatever, I'll write it down and, and keep note of it for when I can revisit it again and I'll think about it. Um, in terms of what I use as inspiration for my work and my influences would be like graffiti style. I love that New York City graffiti feel. Uh, it's one of the one of my favorite things about being there was the street art and just that grungy look to it. And um, I do a lot of cartoon. I like a lot of cartoon kind of characters and a lot of colors and things. So, so stuff like that, like you can see here in this this one. Um, in terms of inspiration for commissioned pieces, that one's always it's a fun challenge because you get somebody that comes to you with an idea. Like this one behind me, it's. Um, the guy wanted New York Rick and Morty mixed up with some like vintage cigarette advertisements. So I was like, Oh, okay. That's a lot. <laughs> you know, that's a yeah. lot of stuff. So um, I find inspiration in, in, in what the people tell me. And then I try to recreate it in my style and, and how I would want to put it together. And they just give me the ideas. So sometimes it's, it just kind of varies, but yeah, I just try to, uh, make the best of what I'm working with essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I saw it, you know, come together on Instagram. I, I like <laughs> it, you know, it, initially, you know, when I saw the, the separate pieces, I was like, what is, you know, what's he going on? You know, what's going to happen. And then, you know, together, man, looks awesome. <laughs> I, I really yeah. appreciate it. Now the, the flares all there. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. This one is a little, it jumps around a little bit, but I mean, sometimes it's, it's hard to tie a lot of different subject matter into one cohesive you know piece yeah of course no and all the famous ones are pictures of flower pots and one person so <laughs> see how that's hard yeah. so would you say with the let's relate this all the stuff you know we talked about the injuries we talked about kind of getting through that 
adversity. We talked about, you know, seeing the light at the end of the tunnel when there isn't a lot. Would you mm-hmm. say when you're doing your pieces, right, or when you're doing commission stuff or stuff for your own, do you think a lot of that kind of work ethic, you know, kind of rolls over into your art just by being able to kind of uh, get into a mindset and, and being able to kind of focus uh, on your art pieces? Would you say that some of that comes from that? Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely a lot of things that support each other in that sense. Um, For instance, people think that art is, oh, you're inspired the whole time that you're painting. You're, oh, I'm so inspired. (laughs) Right. And it's just, it's not true at all. And you have to work and you have to literally physically get down to work when you're not feeling inspired. So you have to be able to be disciplined just like at sports, like how many practices I did not want to go to, mm-hmm. but I did. And I'm better for it at the end of the day. Right. Like, Oh man, it's like snowing. I don't want to go to practice tonight, but I have to, it's what I, it's what I want to do. Ultimately I have to do it. I have to put the work in and get it done. Right. Just cause I'm not feeling inspired at this very moment. It's the same with the artwork. You know, you just, sometimes you aren't feeling it but you got to get to work at the end of the day, you just got to get to work. And that's, that's one valuable lesson that I've, I've learned and has helped me in both of those avenues is just put your head down and get to it. I love that, that point. Cause you know, when they depict it in movies, it's like you, you get in a room, you put on some weird music and then you just, you're just <laughs> happy and excited the entire time you're painting. And then you emerge, you know, with a big smile on your face and you're covered in paint. And I was like, there, that can't be a thing. You just, no days where you stare at it and you're like i hate this painting and i just, <laughs> yes i want to rip it in half and then you that's kinda... a lot of days honestly that's a lot of days when you when you're just coming up with a project and you're coming up with it and you can't come up with anything and then you got to set it down and revisit it so there's definitely frustrating moments and um long moments like that it's sometimes you do get that creative pocket where you just you put the music on and you go and you make something and it's great but everybody has a different process, right? So some of some pieces you take a long time to create, just like overcoming an injury. It's not something that's going to happen in a few hours. It's going to something that's going to happen over a couple of weeks or months. You know, it's not necessarily an overnight project. So they definitely both have that in common. And would you say while on the journey, because it is a journey, you know, to complete a piece, Mm-hmm. Uh, do you give yourself kind of time frames, or would you say it's kind of one of those things where you know when it's done because you've put kind of everything you want into into that specific piece? It's a. I usually don't try to rely on a time frame too much. Like if you wanted a piece, and I said, "Okay, I'll get it for you." Yeah, I'm working on it. I'll I'll keep you updated on like when I think it's going to get done, but I don't ever say, okay, I worked on it for a month. That's it. I'm done with it. Like if I don't like it, if it's not feeling right, then I'll just either maybe restart or change it. But it's usually like the second part of what you said, I'll put into it what I have to put into it, however long that or short that takes. And that's usually how I get my end result. There's not really a time frame attached exactly. Yeah. Awesome, man. No, I, I think that's fantastic. What I want to do next, if it's okay, can we go through the back painting with the camel and just kind of where you started and yeah. kind of how you tied everything, you know, just kind of walk us through, uh, you know, everybody out there yeah. you know, listening won't be able to see, but on the YouTube you will, but I'd love to just kind of break down where you started, right. And, and kind of how you 
title that together and then when you know how you finished it up okay yeah so initially it's it's just like a project that you do in school you have to do your research right and you have to communicate with the person who wants it so I communicated with the guy who wanted it and um, we actually started talking about that one last maybe even April or so so it's been quite a few months um, since I started that one started thinking about it and so I get the size down because that determines a lot of things how big do you want right like I couldn't fit all that on a smaller canvas. So figure out the size general theme comes and says, Oh, I like the vintage cigarette advertisement. Like I really like the, the camel and the new ports and all this, this imagery. I like how the designs look. And um, I'm a huge Rick and Morty fan. And like, I love New York city. Best show and, when you want to escape normal <laughs> Normal yeah. life a little bit with no no thinking <laughs> pretty much so in my mind i'm like at first i'm like holy shit okay like how how do you tie all this together right and like you could tie it together in a literal sense where it's they're all interacting with each other and this one i kind of chose a little like each there's different frames within the canvas and that's just part of of my style is just i like to try different things like you'll see this one next to me is different from that style, but I try to bring different things to each painting. So that was kind of a new thing that I tried with all these little windows. And they had, some of them have some crossover in the background. Um, I'll get into that. So in starting this one, it's research. So I'm looking at pictures of old New York City vintage cabs. He liked like 80s theme, right? So I'm out there looking at New York City cabs. I find you know 50 pictures of cabs this and that that I try to fit in I find some Rick and Morty pictures like okay how can I orient them which one should I use um, basically just cycling through a lot of reference material to figure out what will fit and then kind of like a collage putting all of that together so I can find my pictures um, I do a lot of my work for something like this I do it on the iPad somewhat first in the sense where I can use images from online and I can draw and create like a rough template of the actual painting. That way, before I spend a ton of time painting, I kind of have a pretty focused in on what it's going to look like. So that really helps. The iPad's a really useful tool for that. Um, so then once I settle on a design, so I've picked out all these different characters. I got like Pac-Man there. I've got the uh, camel cigarettes and Rick and Morty all there. Then it comes down to um, orienting it. So I'm here figuring out how am I going to make this look visually appealing? How am I going to make it tie together or not tie together? So in the bottom frame there, you have Rick and Morty kind of cruising in their little spaceship thing right there. And uh, going the other direction is a New York City cab. So it's just a little play to like the New York City. It's got the Marlboro Man on the uh, advertisement on the cab. So just little touches like that, trying to incorporate what the customer wants into an overall picture. Um, but yeah, it's just cramming all of it into one image, really. <laughs> just trying yeah. to cram it all into one. Well, you did a great job, man. And I, <laughs> I appreciate the, the breakdown, like I said, because you know what? At first, you're like, wow, there's a lot going on, but it does still, it all ties, you know, there's, mm -hmm. it, it has its own, own merger kind of with everything, you know, and you can see that theme yeah. with the 80s and things like that. There's definitely, yeah, some cohesive colors. I try to repeat 
try to use some repeating themes, especially something like this, where there's a lot of different things going on. You try to use some repeating themes to tie it together, right? They're not necessarily the same image or related in any way, but by use of colors or layout, you can, oh, okay, just tie it together in little ways like that. But this one took, I started it in April or so. And then um, I actually didn't touch it for a few months because I was out on some fires <laughs> out in oh, yeah, the yeah. mountain. It's been a, yeah. it's been a big, been a big thing over there. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a big summer out here for us. Yeah. So I didn't touch it for a few months, which was kind of nice because I already had this design down, but I hadn't actually been able to paint it. So then once I came home and I hopped right on it, I was really motivated to get it done. I was really excited about it. You know, I had a, a new, a new energy about it. Usually when you work on a project like that, um, you kind of get tired of it <laughs> after a while. So it's nice to bring some fresh eyes to it again after being away from it for two months. No, of course. And I think that's a big deal. You know, you have to go back in and, and come back to things, you know, because you'll see, you know, like you talked about with the jar, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll see some missing things and things like that. I mean, not that it's the same as art, mm -hmm. but you know, when I write programs for teams and large things of that sort, sometimes I'll, take a step back, you know, and then I'll, I'll come back in and, and look at it a few days later, you know, because you never know. Right. Cause sometimes you get kind of stuck on, I'd imagine a color or a theme or yeah. something and yeah, you're really zeroing yeah, on the yeah. up and then, and then maybe you'll see something or you'll come back and say, Oh, here's what I was kind of trying to trying to fix. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just a new perspective, just step yeah. away. <laughs> it's always exactly. good sometimes. And uh, you know, I, I, I love the breakdown and man, like, like I said, I'm just going to, flip a little bit let's go to the fires man i, I just all right let's uh you know how did you get involved in that you know and, and when did you start doing that and just talk about that a little bit yeah so firefighting is something that i didn't really get interested in until maybe like three years ago i just kind of maybe okay three or four years ago i was working i was coaching um and a buddy of the other one of the other coaches is a firefighter and he was like, come, come do a ride along. So I went to a station. We did a ride along. I was like, yeah, it's pretty fun. It's like, it's just like sports. You're on a team. You're in a small group. You're, you know, you're rolling around together and you're, you're getting your work done. So I was like, this is definitely something that I need to pursue. So fast forward a few years. Um, I went through a fire academy. Uh, I did some firefighting internships and I just finished my first season with Cal Fire, which is like our state fire department. And we do a lot of wildfire. Um, we're known for our for our wildfire, like wildland firefighting. So I was out on um, some of those big fires that you hear about in the news, the ones that are, you know, hundreds of thousands of acres and cover large portions of the state. So I was on that. So it's pretty neat. We were out there for out of like 75 days. I was probably gone for about 65 of them. Wow. You're just out in the mountains living on a fire engine. <laughs> oh, wow. Really? So you don't come back. You'll, you'll take long trips kind of into the mountains and then you'll stay yeah. out there. So it, it, so my home station uh, is in Nevada city. You guys will, no one will have any idea where that is. Not actually no Nevada, <laughs> but so we, uh, we left there and we traveled a few hours just for example, um, out to the Mendocino national forest. So we, that's where we were working. And we would go do 24 hours on the line and then we would get 24 hours off. We get to sleep in a hotel, but um, the 24 hours off usually turns into about 16 hours off by the time you get off the mountain, get to base camp and clean up your rig and eat 
And by the time you drive to wherever the nearest hotel is, you're not getting there till one or two in the afternoon. You eat dinner and then go to bed and then drive back out into the woods. So it was a, yeah, a long couple months of doing that. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I'm sure it was exhilarating. You know, I saw it yeah. on the news every day and I was like, oh my God, that's <laughs> kind of crazy. And I like how you tied it in it. You're on a team, right? You're doing kind of that same yeah. thing. Uh, it's a little bit, you know, pressure's a little higher. Um, but you know, that's, that's awesome, man. You know, just bringing in those, those sports and same kind of mm -hmm. guidelines and the things you did growing up. And now you're doing that with both your art and, and the firemen. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely team, team environment for sure. Exactly. So on a regular, if there is no wildfire, no stuff going on like that, are you just like local, uh, with that stuff? And then, yeah. So, um, so like I said, my, particular station my home base you could say is up in nevada city it's actually only about an hour from sacramento so my normal shift would be to work friday saturday and sunday so it's a three-day shift four days off and um for instance once it started raining a bit and these larger fires were winding down we're just at our home station covering our um, first do area. So that just means our initial response area. So around our town and our area. So we would respond to fires there, different medical calls. Um, but then in the summer, it's, we get called out on a strike team where they'll gather a couple fire engines up and they'll basically just shoot you somewhere in the state where they need fire engines. Okay. So when you're not on one of those, when you're not out in the mountains, you're at your home station just doing normal, you know, structure fires, medical aids and whatnot. Oh, okay. So, but you said your, your particular house is known for the, the mountain, mountain. Um, well, the, 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 uh, department in general. So oh, Cal okay. Fire, it, uh, yeah, it's just a state department. So they cover, we cover the whole state of California pretty much. So, oh, okay. um, but yeah, but we do, we do a lot of that wild land. Okay. Yeah. I think it's a little different from here. Cause I don't think they have like a, a full, <laughs> uh you know statewide thing but also we don't have the same amount of fires that you guys do over yeah there. definitely a different feel on the east coast like where i grew up it was all volunteer yeah state. same thing here there is no yeah. uh we don't have any i mean i mean i'm not in the city right now but yeah we don't have uh the town that grew up it's all volunteer mm -hmm. yeah so when i went to yeah. even when i first went to the city i'm like well people get paid to be you know because that's never a thing there's a firehouse across you know down the street for me and it's the same thing you know it's always been volunteer and, and stuff like that. yeah yeah, definitely. Yeah. So here we have the state department, but then there's also local governments, uh, cities and towns that have their departments. And there's a lot more paid departments out here than there would be back east well, yeah, just because fire threat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you definitely need that. Well, man, that's amazing. I didn't even know before we kind of started that you're getting into <laughs> that with the art. So normally, you know, I would just say, hey, what advice would you give somebody for graphic design and art? But I, I think I want to turn it into a two part question. What okay. advice would you give somebody? who let's go first that, you know, has kind of a little, a passion for art or is thinking about it, you know, how to kind of push their business. I know we talked about that on the phone mm -hmm. about a week ago. And then after you're done with that, let's go into somebody who's thinking about kind of joining, you know, a fire department, not necessarily in California, mm -hmm. but somebody, you know, yeah. get ready and, and, and kind of how that changed, you know, your kind of direction. Okay. Um, in terms of the art, I would say for anyone who's, interested in art in the sense that they do it just for fun or they don't really know um i would just say 
do it a lot more, get better at it, um, kind of develop your style and practice a lot. It's just like, just like the sports where the more you do it, the better you get at it, right? There's a certain level of talent, but there's also a certain level of repetitiveness and hard work that goes into it, just like being on a field. So do it more, expose yourself, get out there, um, go look at other art, get ideas, you know, figure out what makes you tick, like what inspires you to get creative and then what your subject matter you, you like, right? Some people really like cartoons. Some people really like video games, right? Figure, figure that out. And then I'd say if you were going to, to pursue it seriously in terms of like a business, um, pick what you figure out, like who your audience is and what you want to do with it. So I'm kind of all over the place. I do murals and paintings and little digital this and some drawings here and there. Um, but yeah, I would just say, figure out what you like to do. And if you want to make it into a business, then go for it. Put yourself out there a lot, market yourself, um, get yourself involved in the community. Cause a lot of people, and that's a really tough one because it's hard to, especially now with Corona to get out there physically and shake hands and go meet people and give them a business card and do stuff like that. Like, Oh, I did that one. I did this mural over here, this and that. You can't really do that anymore. So utilize your social media but get out into the community as well. And also the last thing, like we mentioned earlier, um, don't wait for inspiration to come just like knocking on your door, just get to work <laughs> and it'll happen. Yeah. No, awesome, man. And I, I know it always sticks out the thing you talk about community, you know, we talked on the phone last week about, you know, whatever your business is, you know, be involved in the community, you know, that mm -hmm. way you can say, Oh, you helped with this, this thing, you know, whatever it may be, yeah. you know, regardless if it's painting a mural like we talked about or, or, you know, fitness or whatever, you know, doing a fitness yeah. class at a charity event, but it, you were involved in that. Right. And then you said yeah. you, you still get business from that mural and it's been quite some time since mm -hmm. you, you know, put that mural together. Think of it like a resume, like when you go for a job you want, right. You want to put your volunteer activities and all the clubs you were in or the, all the other stuff that you did that makes you unique. So think about your business, as a resume, you want to have resume for your business essentially. So I've, I've participated in this and you get X amount of exposure or I did my mural over here and like, I'm still getting, you know, pictures of it online. I'm still getting customers coming from that. So yeah, you're just getting out there and make yourself, uh, you know, make yourself known. Mm -hmm. Great advice. Great advice. Anybody listening, you know, that you can take that with, with everything. <laughs> You know, it's, it, it works with everything, you know, get involved in the community, get yourself out there. You know, the more you put yourself out there, the more you'll get in there. And we, we talked about, you know, we constantly touched on with everything light at the end of the tunnel, right? Especially now with mm -hmm. social media and stuff, you're not going to get a thousand likes the first picture you put up there, you know, but yeah. I think it, it's constant, you know, and uh, you know, you have to constantly be putting in work or at least putting out content, you know, having things out there so that you have the best kind of way to expose yourself to be found, you know, cause if you're, if you're sitting in your house, right, you have great art and everything's great, but nobody sees it and you don't paint it for anybody. You're going to be painting. You're going to have a lot really nice pictures <laughs> in your house to put up everywhere. You know, if you want to turn things into a business, you have to find somebody that wants what you're doing, you know, and, and it has to be yeah. good enough to, to, you know, exchange money for it. So I think that's a big thing. You want to get it out there, whatever you do, you know, if you bake pies or whatever, uh, you know, or art or whatever it may be. I, I think that's a big, huge takeaway. You have to get your work out there, regardless of what your passion is, you know? And, mm -hmm. and I think, you know, you brought up another good point of inspiration. A lot of the things that we're gifted at, 
you don't have inspiration doesn't come. It's just kind of something you feel like you have to do, you know, even on those yeah. days, that's, I think that the biggest thing is the stuff that you're meant to do or stuff you're blessed with, or your, your Steve Harvey talks about it. Your, your gift, if you will, right. Mm-hmm. is something that you can do or that you want to do with little to no training, right. Or things you can figure out. And then when you get to yeah. those difficult times, you know, and I feel like you've had two, you know, with the soccer and now going in with the, the art stuff, right. It's more, it's going to push you on its own, you know? So if you have to think about it a lot, or you don't really know a lot about it and you're trying to go into it, you know, unless you have dire, you know, there's, there's skill sets that you already have figured out on your own. That might not be your gift. We talk about the podcast, right? I haven't shut up since I was two years old. So therefore <laughs> I do a podcast. Everybody that knows me everybody will tell you it doesn't be quiet. And, you know, I don't, I don't have a soft voice and, you know, there's videos of me at two years old walking around and in the home videos, you're this booming adult's voice in the background. <laughs> and you see a little tiny child and then it's my voice connected to a, almost a full grown adult screaming voice. So, you know, you talk about goals and or you talk about, you know, gifts Sometimes yeah. you know, articulation and things, that's just what I'm relatively good at. So, you know, I think that's a big, big takeaway from this. <laughs> yeah, you definitely, it's, it helps channeling that talent and that, that stuff that you just naturally have a gift for. Channel mm-hmm. it, take it. Exactly. And then I'm sure, you know, a lot of the stuff now you too, right, you do with the fire department, the inspiration from the art allows you to think a little bit differently. Plus you have the athletic background, you know, so it allows you to do certain things and, and do, <clears throat> do different things uh, in terms of, of that profession as well. Yeah. So, oh yeah. So your second part of the question, whew, oh, sorry, I had to, sorry, I, had I went off on a tangent about my abilities <laughs> to speak as an adult when I was two. <laughs> oh yeah. So, well, joining the fire department for me was something, um, I wouldn't say a no brainer cause you have to put thought into something like mm-hmm. that. It's a pretty you know serious job. Um, but it was a no brainer in the sense that I wasn't sitting behind the desk and I'm going to be on a team. Absolutely. I'm going to be working with, hopefully some like-minded individuals, people that enjoy training and people that want to be active and also serve your community, right? It's another community thing. So our job is to get out there and see someone on their worst day, pretty much, right? That's our job. And um, so all those things wrapped up into one, it's from an individual standpoint, it's great because I'm active, I'm learning new stuff, uh, moving around in the community. And then from a community standpoint, you're definitely giving back to the people who, you know, ultimately pay your salary. But I would say if you're thinking of joining, look into it and get involved um, now, just like we said with the art, get involved in the community, but do it with a purpose. Go to your fire station and ask them, talk to the people there because they will tell you, you just have to ask. They might come off like some hardened dudes, but just ask them and they'll tell you, I can guarantee you that they'll uh, tell you what you need to do to become a firefighter. If that's what you want. Always ask. That's the biggest yeah. thing. You know, it's always, can't hurt. Uh, it, you, what's the worst could happen? They say no, or they <laughs> yeah. don't answer. You ask somebody else. You know, I, I think asking is, is like the, is the kind of the easiest thing to do, you know, mm-hmm. and if you have a question and pretty much, I think this goes for everything. If your question's sincere and the other person can kind of tell you, are really interested in what the knowledge or, or the profession they're in, they'll give you an answer, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. and don't let one person's also opinion of whatever or how they treat you discourage you. Right. If you would have went to the yeah. firehouse and the first guy would have said, Hey man, kick rocks, 
you know, we would be having this conversation, right? Be persistent. If it's something you really want to do, yep. you can find information. And I, I think, you know, we talk about social media, how it can be difficult at times, but I also think it's a great thing because, you know, instead of going out and talking to somebody, you can send a thousand direct messages. You yeah. know, I'm sure you can find whatever, whatever you're into, somebody will be out there to ask a question, yep. you know, and, and, you know, regardless, somebody will answer it. Like I said, and you don't need, you know, a hundred million followers, and asking somebody else that has a ton of followers, you know, if you ask a question that's sincere and things of that sort, you'll be able to get that answer. So I think that's a great thing. You know, ask questions, you know, the, the information is always out there, but it's always great. I think if you can find somebody that's done it already, you know, and I think that goes to yeah. any profession. Absolutely. You know, whatever you want to be, I think it's very important. You have to go and either experience it as you can, right. If you're thinking about being mm -hmm. a paid fireman uh, like John, you know, go do some volunteer work or at least talk to some people that are, you know, involved and see if this is something that you want to do, you know, on a daily basis or, you know, something that you want to fully put into also with whatever you're doing, especially, you know, in college, make sure whatever your degrees in or whatever you're pursuing, make sure you go do it. You know, I mean, I'm as, you know, former teacher, a lot of kids, you know, or I know people, they go to school to become PTs or fitness. You know, I talk about this on other podcasts and then they get there and they hate it. And I'm like, well, did you, <laughs> Did you, did you test it out? You know, and, and then you're lost, you know, you have a doctor yeah. degree or a master's and something, and you know, it's not what you want to do. So I think that's also important. You know, your job in college is to learn how to articulate is to learn how to meet people is to learn yeah. how to network with people that aren't anywhere near your kind of friend circle. And yeah. also, you know, learn how to network and communicate and use that kind of free time to figure out who you are. I think that's one of the things yeah. that gets lost kind of in college a little bit, but that's your job, you know, discover yourself as that. a human being, find like-minded people, be able to find like-minded people in a sea of different mm -hmm. people that you're not used to. And of course, if you go away from college, you're out of your comfort zone already, you know? So I think that's a great opportunity. To yeah. Use that. Education is always a good thing to fall back on. Right. And if you have the, if you're lucky enough like us, where you get to go live on a campus and experience all of that, you're like you said, you're meeting like-minded people, you're making friends, you're learning a bunch of stuff. You're experiencing it all together, all for the first time, figuring out who you are. Um, and even in terms of the fire stuff, there's uh, fire science and fire technology degrees that you can get. And when you go for job interviews, they grade you. They say, I mean, it's not all of them, but some of them, they'll grade you based on your level of education. So it definitely does matter. It can matter in a job like that. And it's always something good to have in your back pocket. Yep. You never know where it's going to come be. And, you know, touching on when we went to school, Brooklyn was wild. Anybody listen down to Brooklyn now with the, with the nice, the, the apartments across the street and the, the lovely, you know, the, yeah. the market, everybody's like, you guys must have been a thousand pounds because the market was here. I said, there wasn't a market. No. There was a little deli in the dark about three blocks and you didn't go there unless you had about seven people with you. So and it was like a, you didn't walk through, remember, you didn't walk through the park after no. like six o'clock. People jog now at 4 a.m. through there. I with baby carriages. Uh, I had an apartment for a few years in Fort Greene, just down oh, like wow. below, under the BQE, right on the right on the freeway there, right under oh, wow. Myrtle Avenue. Yeah. So that was, yeah, walking, we'd walk through the park to get home every night and stuff. And I'd, you know, haul ass through. Yeah. No, real sketchy. <laughs> hey, I, I ended up moving to, uh, I lived on Nassau Street, right? Oh, okay. Right on, uh, what is it? Right by the Manhattan Bridge. And when yeah. we were in school there, that wouldn't have been a, I mean, you wouldn't have stayed there for free if somebody wanted you to go there. But now, you yeah, know, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely um, a different place now. Exactly. 
but you know, ways. all for the better, but you know, everything going on, I, I, I know I moved out and, and I hate to see it the way it is because it was just so, you know, we talk about everybody, that school was amazing when we were there, you know, everybody was, it was like a giant family and it was just, it was just its own little yeah. like, world, you know, we were in, it really was. like it was, it was unbelievable, you know, I mean, it's still nice now and whatever it's changed, but it was just, it was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely, definitely an interesting, interesting environment and cool time to be there. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so a few more questions here. I just want to talk about your favorite piece of art. What is your favorite piece of artwork that you have personally done? Um, one of my, I think my favorite one right now is um, a mural that I did last year, just over a year ago. And it's here in my neighborhood in Sacramento. And um, I was able to tie in community in the sense that I did group it was like a graffiti collage of a bunch of names of local businesses some places that I'd worked and um, in the middle of it smack dab I wrote the boulevard which is like the main boulevard where we live and it's in big red white and blue lettering and um, I'll send you a picture of it so you can I think that's right it's it's blue around this it's yeah normally blue and then it has the yeah yeah very nice mural yeah so it's nothing crazy in terms of like artistic ability and inspiration but it's one of my favorites because I was able to do it in my neighborhood and I get to see it every day and it connected me with a lot of people right where I did it it's like a pocket of business owners there's a brewery a coffee shop a sushi restaurant and some other stuff and um, they really connected me with all those people people that I otherwise might have just showed up and ordered food from but now whenever I see them they say hey how you doing how's your dog doing they like you know (laughs) You get to know these people. So I think that piece. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. Again, giving back to the community, you know, and, yeah. and doing your whatever, you know, using your talents to kind of bring the community closer together. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for anybody that wants to kind of reach you, you know, I know you'll, you'll be busy doing the fire stuff, but interested in artwork, wants to see some of your stuff or possibly getting a, you know, a painting when you have the time and things like that. Where is the best place to reach you and, and kind of get in contact or just ask uh, you for some advice? Uh, best place is Instagram. That's pretty much my online gallery, so to speak. It's got um, videos and pictures of all my work. So my Instagram is at jcon underscore the underscore chef. Um, so we'll have to type that out for you guys because it's a little hard to spell maybe. And um, my email is on there. So you can just send me a message, send me an email, comment on anything. And um, yeah. I will, I will also... Uh, on the Instagram page for the podcast, I'll I'll mention I'll tag you, uh, and there'll be a clickable link for uh, your Instagram page within that within that post. So anybody that wants yeah. that, just when we go to episode eighteen, you'll be right there underneath, and then you'll be able to access that, see the mural, and all the wonderful artwork that you've done. Hell yeah! Well, man, I really appreciate it, man. It was a lot of fun, man, yeah. and I I love the fire stuff. You know, I didn't even know you you didn't mention <laughs> that the other day, and you know, it was great going through that, man. And I just really enjoyed it, and I, I thank you for coming on. Yeah, man, thank you. I appreciate it. I had no idea I'd be doing a podcast if you had talked to me a few weeks ago. So I'm really really glad you reached out. It's definitely a fun first experience. Awesome, man. You did a great job, man. And like I said, man, we just let it ride. Yeah. <laughs>